Hello and welcome to Commodity Classic Cast. I'm Chuck Zimmerman. Our program is sponsored by BASF and New Holland. Before we get to the meat of why you're here, I wanted to uh, uh, make several, highlight several points on corn, soybean, and wheat markets, primarily corn and soybeans. Uh, in the biofuels revolution has certainly changed the look of agriculture, particularly over the last six months. Soybeans are a part of that, but right now soybeans and wheat and all the crops are really reacting to what's happening in corn. Corn is the leader at this point with the biodiesel industry just starting to gain momentum. So in the minute, few minutes I have, most of my comments are going to focus on corn. I'd be happy to take some questions later on soybeans. Uh, to start us off, uh, I wanted to uh, give the, oops, there we go. Uh, to start us off, uh, everyone wants to get on the bandwagon uh, with ethanol. Right now we have 114 plants currently in operation with a capacity of 5.6 billion gallons of ethanol production per year. Another 60 plants are under construction with seven more expanding right now. That would add another 5 billion gallons of capacity. You figure each bushel corn produces 2.8 gallons of ethanol and we're slowly pushing that and getting more and more efficiency in that as we go. So how much ethanol does that add up to be? Well as we look at the 2007-08 marketing year which starts September 1, that's about 3.2 billion bushels of corn that'll go into ethanol production. You can see it's almost 26% of what I estimate the size of this next year's crop is going to be. So rapidly increasing the impact on the markets of ethanol. This comes at a time when world corn stocks are very tight, both corn and wheat stocks at uh, the tightest levels that they've been in a generation. Uh, the common, th common thread of thought in, in the industry is that anything, anytime you get stocks below 5% of annual usage, you're at pipeline supplies and the market needs to go higher to ration demand, that the supply pipeline just doesn't function below 5%. I actually think we can go a little bit below 5%. Right now, USDA is estimating this year's ending stocks at 6.4%, so it wouldn't take much of an increase in demand yet during the last half of this current marketing year to get us down to about that 5% level. But you can see here, predicting price under normal circumstances is not that difficult. We simply say, where are we at in terms of percent of annual use? Come up here to the curve and pretty well trail it over what the average marketing year average cash price is going to be. This year, though, with Wall Street money pouring into the markets, we're talking about a different ballgame. Uh, the blue bars that you see there uh, is the involvement of the funds, particularly the traditional funds, your and my 401k plans that are invested in, in various commodities in various places. Some of that money is in the ag commodities, really a big shift into the ag commodities in the past couple of years. Uh, the blue bars show, if it's above the axis, how what we say net long the funds are, mean bought into the market, and this is actually in, in bushels here, thousands of bushels. And uh, if they're below the, um, b below the axis, oops, below the axis there, then we can see that they're net short. They like to be long. Take a look over here, the bull market in the mid-90s, how long the funds are compared to where they are today. Net long, a little over 1.9 billion bushels. And that's the traditional funds. 
Over the past couple of years, you've heard a lot about the index funds and Wall Street com money coming in. They tend to want to be net long all the time. And they're generally offsetting a position in the equities market or, or something else. There's numerous reasons for the index funds to be involved. It's, they're not just uh, trend followers like what the traditional funds are. And there was a lot of talk about how they were propping up the market uh, last fall. But you can see the red line here is the nearby futures contract. Well, the index funds had already built their position of 2.2 billion bushels worth of ownership in Chicago by the middle of May. And during the fall rally, they were actually selling off a portion of their positions. But the traditional funds that we start off talking about, when you separate them out, separate out the players, the index funds and traditional funds, you can see that the, the price correlates very well there with the length of, of the traditional funds. They're the ones really driving the market. In reality, the market started to rally in the fall in order to buy enough corn acres this spring in order to meet the upcoming demand. The market's basically done that. The question is, how far will the money simply take the market because it's feeding on itself now? Say, why does this matter? We had a good example of why it matters yesterday when a wire service story out of China about what China may do to tighten, tighten up its economy a little bit, reverberated throughout the economy, and the commodity markets plummeted, not necessarily because there was that strong of a fundamental connection between the Newswire service report and the fundamentals of the commodities of supply and demand, but because we're dealing with the dollars flowing in and out of the pits and in and out of the various commodities and reshuffling of that money. These traders don't trade bushels so much as they trade dollars. The fundamentals of supply and demand is what starts it. And I'll use the energy market as an example. When Katrina came through, it drew a lot of money into the energy markets, but then the chart signals started perpetuating itself, buy signals, so more and more money poured in to where we set record highs over $73 in crude oil last summer, even though crude oil inventories were, were five-year highs or higher. And we could see the same thing, and this is an example of that. We could see the same thing happen in the corn pit this year and actually would be detrimental to the markets. So right now, that's the battle going on, making sure that we have enough acres. Farm Futures surveyed producers in January and found that uh, producers intend to plant 88.4 million acres of corn this year. That's a 10.1 million acre increase. Uh, and uh, soybeans were at 69.5 million acres in our survey. We're going to be surveying again this next week as USDA is. And in reality, I think the market has bought the acres it needs unless we have a major weather problem this summer. And that's the big if that the market started trading last, uh, last week, really. CropCast put these graphics together for us, and they looked at analog years. Uh, right now, the models are showing that uh, we're in a neutral phase and we'll probably go to a weak La Nina phase, at least the most dependable of the models. So what does that do for our weather? Um, right, this is a graphic you can see here of if we're in a neutral phase, and this is for July and August. You can see uh, dryness here in the plains, a little bit of uh, tendency towards some dryness in some parts of the Midwest, but uh, the heat is in the plains where we'd see the stress. Mild temperatures in the heart of the Corn Belt, probably not too much yield impact. If we go toward a weak La Nina, like the most dependable models are suggesting, then uh, we see more of that dryness expanding in the Midwest. Sometimes that hangs on for a couple years, two or three years. We see more moisture in the plains, but we still see fairly mild temperatures 
probably not that much impact on actual yields, not a problem. However, if we go to a moderate La Nina, which is a possibility because of some really cool subsurface water in two to three hundred meters down in the, in the equatorial Pacific, then we start looking at a 1988 type of scenario where more widespread dryness in the plains and the Midwest and a buildup of heat in the Midwest, and particularly nighttime temperatures are a big limiter of yield in corn. So this is what we need to be watching for. Uh, the, also, the other scenario for a weak or moderate La Nina, particularly a weak La Nina, and, uh, is a cooler, wetter spring for the Corn Belt and slowing the planting of the crops. And ultimately, many farmers have said they've got both corn and soybean seed booked. Weather will be the driving factor of where those acres actually end up to see whether we take prices higher or not. Uh, the key times for marketing for producers this year is going to be when we battle for acres now in March and April. It's going to be in July and August if we get that weather scare, depending on La Nina and uh, the impact that it has on growing conditions. And then October, November, as we look ahead to 2008, I really believe the biggest battle for acres is going to be in 2008 because by that time the biodiesel industry is starting to gain momentum. Soybeans start needing some of those acres back. More ethanol plants are in place, so we need more corn acres. Um, a number of dynamics coming together for, for battling for acres. And if we look at history, and we anticipate stocks staying tight over the next few years, when stocks are projected to be smaller than a 50-day supply, which right now they're at about a 23-day supply, 13 out of the last 13 times we've seen stocks projected below 50 years, we've taken out the spring high late in the year. And it's usually because the market is starting by harvest like we did this last year, start to buy acres for the next year. Uh, as we look at uh, the potential impacts this year, if we do get a 13 to 15 million acre shift in acres and we get good growing conditions, we could actually take stocks back up to 2 billion bushels and see this market collapse on us, at least short term. The more likely scenario is, is the market will do its job and we'll keep stocks right around that 5% of annual use level and we'll see higher prices than what we see this year. We'll see a climb in marketing your average cash prices around 360 or so, depending on how the growing season plays out. In the end, um, producers need to realize that they have an unprecedented opportunity now to market between 25 and 35% of their production. And even if the worst case scenario is the rest of the grain they sell at marketing loan levels, which we don't anticipate prices being that low, although possible under that one scenario, they still grow equity. So that gives them a, a, the opportunity to focus on a business approach to marketing, lock in their equity growth now, and they have more freedom then to ride the ups and downs of the markets and, and sell the rallies as we go forward. Uh, the market ultimately will do its job. It'll do its job of uh, rationing demand and increasing production before most people expect it to do so. Wheat will also play into that equation as wheat pulls into the feed grain market to replace corn and as it has to battle for acres to hold on to enough acres. So that pretty well sums up just very briefly. Obviously, we could go into much more depth, but I want to give time now for, for the rest of our uh, guests and uh, presenters to uh, talk the more technical aspects of their products, but that gives an overview of what we're looking at. Thanks, Arlen. Appreciate it.
That's Commodity Classic Cast, sponsored by BASF and New Holland. I'm Chuck Zimmerman reporting.